Hey, it's Kathy. I just want to let you know that I'm doing a free five-day workshop. It's called the Abundance Activation Challenge, and it starts today. And it's not too late for you to join us. Today is the last day to join. Go to kathyheller.com slash five day to sign up. The pre-party has been happening and it's been such a blast. There's so many high vibe women in there who are ready to call in more abundance. I know that you will love that you showed up for this. I'll be live at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern every day this week, teaching you how to become a master manifester. You are just going to have the best time. If you want to join us, sign up at kathyheller.com slash five day. Thanks to OnePlus One for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Every great partnership is really a love affair. Think about it. Passion, ego, infatuation, conflict, jealousy. These are all hallmarks of some of history's greatest collaborations. To hear more, go subscribe to OnePlus One on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I'm really excited about today's episode because Jessica Vosk is here and Jessica plays Elphaba in Wicked on Broadway, which is amazing, amazing, amazing. I've seen Wicked many times and I just love Broadway and always have since I was a kid. And she has a particularly cool story because when she graduated from college, she actually went into a totally different field. She was working on Wall Street in finance, and she had actually moved her way up and become pretty successful, but she wasn't feeling fulfilled. And she was having anxiety and panic attacks, and she wound up changing course and going after the thing that she really wanted, which was scary because she was leaving something stable. And she very much left her day job and just dove into the great unknown. And it wasn't a overnight success, but she definitely landed eventually exactly where she wanted to be. And so I cannot wait to share this story with you because it's truly extraordinary. And she's such a generous, cool person. So I'm really excited to dive into that. Before we do, I wanted to tell you about something super cool that I am launching. So you are the first to hear this. I know that so many of you wanted to come to our two-day Dreamtopia workshop event. I know that so many of you live far away. I know that so many of you are always emailing me and sending me DMs and wanting to connect and saying, Kathy, how can I work with you? And how can we spend more time together? And can you help me get unstuck? And can you help me be more resourceful and figure out how to take the next steps in my career? And is there something you can do to help me get over imposter syndrome? So the answer now is yes. Whether you live in Los Angeles or you live in Beijing or you live in Nantucket or you live in South America, we are going to be able to connect and I'm going to be able to work with you. I've been thinking for so long about making sure that we did something about this and I'm finally here to tell you that I am going to be here to coach you. So here's what I'm rolling out. You can now go to kathycoaching.com and you can register for the first package of three coaching sessions. I will be meeting with you over a Zoom video group chat and we will meet the first Wednesday of each month starting March 6th. We will meet at noon Pacific Standard Time for about 90 minutes and I will be there to listen and to really dive in and tease out whatever it is that you are struggling with, whatever it is that you are excited about. Those calls, I have done these kinds of calls with people who are in courses that I've taught. I've done these kind of calls before many times, and people tell me that these calls are life-changing, that they feel like they get so much more than they even dreamed, that they feel that they get some clarity and that they really feel empowered. Whatever is in the way seems to be understood, and we seem to be able to finally get beyond it so that it's not keeping us back and keeping us stuck. So those of you, I told you that those of you who pre-order my book, I'm going to be giving you guys some surprises and some freebies. And there's still time, of course, for you to go ahead and pre-order the book. If you go ahead and you do that, you are going to get 50% off this package of three coaching calls. So instead of it being $135 for three coaching sessions, it'll only be $67 and we will have those three times the first Wednesday of each month at noon Pacific Standard Time to hang out for 90 minutes and 
I trust that you will really enjoy these calls and that you will feel that whatever comes up in those conversations is really impactful. And I want to be there for you because I know how easy it is for things that you really want to continue to sit there and be pushed to the side because maybe it's something that's actually simple. Maybe the solution is hidden in plain sight. Maybe it's just a matter of recognizing that there are some things that are illusions, that are fears, that are understandable, but not necessary for them to keep you stuck. And I want to be there not only to help you move through whatever's in the way psychologically, but I want to be there as a resource to give you some strategies and some tools to take your ideas and crystallize them and give you some steps that you can start implementing so that you can take this incredible stuff that you have to offer that only you can and share it with the world. So I encourage you to go pre-order the book. You can then use the code book when you go ahead and get the coaching package. And you can find this at kathycoaching.com. There's also a link in the show notes. Now, our Dreamtopia event is a few weeks away, and I'm so, so excited about it. Those of you who are able to make it for two full days are going to have an incredible life-changing time. You can get a $25 ticket to that two-day event if you go ahead and pre-order the book and that deal is good through the end of the week. So you can go to dreamtopiaworkshop.com to get your ticket. We have incredible speakers. There's going to be a sound bath. There's going to be lots of interaction, life coaching. There's going to be incredible panels and master classes. You are going to leave there feeling so refreshed and so clear about what it is that you are here to do in this world and how important it is. So I'm really looking forward to seeing you. Go ahead and pre-order the book. The deal is good through the end of the week. You can then get a $25 ticket to the Dreamtopia workshop and all the links that you need are in the show notes. So I'm excited to meet some of you in these coaching sessions. I'm excited to see some of you in person at this event. I'm just so thrilled to be starting this year, spending this kind of quality time together. All right, let's talk about today's guest. She is a total superstar. Her name is Jessica Vosk. She's currently starring on Broadway as Elphaba in the critically acclaimed show Wicked, which just celebrated its 15th anniversary. She also recently released her own solo album called Wild and Free that debuted as number 14 on the Billboard charts. But what's really unbelievable, as I said before, is that before this, she was working on Wall Street. And she did a complete 180. So we're going to get into what drove her to take this leap and why she wanted to become a musical star. And also we're going to talk about the impact that she's been able to have because she was willing to follow that whisper and do the thing that she knew she felt she was put here to do. So I cannot wait. Without further ado, please welcome the incredible Jessica Vosk. Hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, my pleasure. Oh my gosh. So tell us a little bit about before Broadway and then how you got to be as fancy as oh. you are. You know, I grew up in New Jersey, loving the fact that I was very close to sort of the epicenter of arts in Manhattan. Right. And I grew up with parents who were very, um, both very artistic and supportive, um, but, you know, had real people jobs as the baby boomers do. And I grew up doing community theater and singing, and I turned out, you know, going to the University of Hartford, the Hart School of Music, um, in their musical theater program for a semester. I just didn't, I didn't gel. I didn't seem to mm -hmm. really get on with the program. So I told my parents, you know, I think I'm unhappy here. I think I want to leave. And their response was, well, okay, choose something different. So... I sort of came home and regrouped and went to a school in New Jersey, Montclair State University, and decided to take a completely different path and choose a major in communications and investor relations and did zero theater and mm. started to apply as one would for jobs. Turns out I got an interview with a investor relations firm in Midtown Manhattan and I, I was just going to say I booked it, but that's too theater of a term. I got the job um, <laughs> and I kind of just left anything as far as the arts are concerned behind. And I went 100% corporate girl. Wow. This is so hard to believe. It's so hard to picture you in a it suit. Is. I was shocked when I heard yeah. any of this. So what happened? So I'm at my job and I'm doing really well and I keep getting promoted and I'm also unhappy. And my responsibilities were getting larger. My clients were in, you know, 
different time zones and the stress of it was something that I don't think I was prepared for in a way to really sustain a job like that, that I didn't love. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't me. And the way that it manifested in me, it was panic attacks and it was anxiety and it was stress. And it was the inability to Hmm. truly understand where it was coming from. And my God, all in all, you think you're dying. And I sort of had to sit back and collect my thoughts and go, okay, where is this coming from? And I happened to be in my office one day. And at this point, I was promoted enough to have my an office of my own with a door, by the way. <sighs> and I picked up a folder. And out of the folder fell a, a very small note from my grandmother who had passed away a, a couple years prior, at least. And all it said was, Jessica, I wish you a lot of luck. And I can't remember ever receiving that note. I don't know where it came from, but at that moment, everything sort of clicked in my brain of going, I've I've refused to see any concerts. I've refused to see any Broadway shows. I've refused to sing. In this time frame, I was sort of pushing all of that stuff down that would give me a moment to even think about why I was unhappy. And at that point, I had sat there and gone, you know, I don't think I can do this. And that's a very scary place to be because I was at a job that was very secure and I was in my mid twenties and I called my parents and I said, I'm going to tell you right now that I'm leaving this job and I don't know what I'm going to do. I just know that I have to leave. And they were not happy about that. Mm -mm. I think they were really, really scared and very upset and they begged me to stay and reconsider. And I didn't have a plan, a major safety net. I just knew that something had to give and I had to make a concerted effort to get out of that job. And it just so happens that around that time is when the market crashed, which nobody was thrilled about. But for me, I at least could say, look, if you need to make any layoffs, I'm your girl. So I think they talked it over. My bosses talked it over and they were kind enough to let me go because, you know, essentially it's the only way I could have collected unemployment to even have a chance at surviving. That's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, I did it. I did it. It was many months of what have I done? It was many months of can I babysit your children? Yeah, right, right, right. right. You know, it was just many months of, of stay afloat. I had made no show business connections. So in those in the 6 months prior to me actually leaving the finance job i would go to these open mic nights and just see if i could get a chance to sing try and network with people you know having no idea really how to get an agent and how old are you at this time like 27 28 27 yeah i want to say i was 26 27 and you're competing um, you're competing then in those moments just in terms of trying to find the lay of the land with people who like graduated from Tish, like graduated mm-hmm. from Carnegie Mellon. They've been at this since they're 18. And here you are like, hi, everyone. I can yeah, tell I, you. I'd like to sing a song. But you had this little whisper of confidence, which must have said there was a belief. You know what? I could become a Broadway star because otherwise you wouldn't have done it. So where does that come from? Because you, a lot of people have talent, but they always sell themselves short. So for you to go back, there must have been something inside of you, whether it's like your grandmother and her belief in you, or maybe it was just a sense. I don't know. What was it? Something was in there. Uh, Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think I always knew growing up that I could sing. I just always knew that, that singing was my way to a, cope with anything that I had to deal with, mm. and B, it, it made people feel things when I would sing growing up. Oof. And so I just wanted to have the chance to be able to do that again and to be able to change somebody because of the sound that's coming out of my mouth, because of, you know, yes, my family who always was on board when I was a kid. I thought they might not necessarily be on board with this right now because I'm going to be 30 in a couple of years. And dear God, what if I 
made the biggest mistake of my entire life. So I think a, there's a bit of imposter syndrome that had to come along with the tiny ounce of right. this is something that you could do to change people's lives and you know it. Mm. And the imposter syndrome of like, this is what is going to have to push your butt into the room and, and show up every single day at eight o'clock in the morning Jesus, that's amazing. with a line full of people just to sing 16 bars for somebody who probably doesn't care. Yeah, that's and crazy. It is so scary and daunting and kind of wild to leave something so comfortable. But at the same time, it was a stress that I could handle versus that world of, of finance. And it's insane to me because the theater world, the, the entertainment world is stress city. Right, right. That it, it is stress city. We have to rely not only on what people want. That's, that's all our lives are. It's, can I give you what you want? Nothing is ever enough. And the fact that I could handle that over the stress of a corporate job is baffling to me. And it also makes me think of all of the people who feel very stuck and who say to themselves, I wish, or I wonder, or what if, I think those things are really worth taking into account mm -hmm. and, and really sitting and thinking about because I think of where I am right now, which to have done this in a couple of years and watching people who have taken a lifetime to achieve this, I, I know that I've hustled very hard, but I know I'm very lucky. And I just can't even imagine having not taken the chance that I did. Yeah. I wanted to go back to something you said because I think it speaks volumes. You said... I knew that two things were true. One, when I would sing, it helped me feel things and get through things. And two, when I would open my mouth and sing, it made other people feel something. Mm -hmm. And I have felt for a long time that our greatest sense of happiness really comes from being able to contribute and that sense of purpose. Mm. And I think you knew that. You knew that your existential truth was that the thing that you could do that would help someone out of a well was when you sang. And the reason I'm highlighting it is because every single person we've had on the show in one form or another has said, if you want to be successful, think about your pain. Think about who else might share that pain and what oh. you can do to serve that. Because ultimately, that's what makes a person successful in anything. Absolutely. Everybody has something like that. You don't have to make headlines to do it. Like in your, exactly. in your case, that is the way that the glove fit. But for other people, there's, some, there's something else. Maybe you're teaching yoga. Maybe you're baking something. But everyone knows deep down what that thing is, the way they serve. And you knew it. Yes. You knew it. Or you wouldn't have done it. Um, yeah, that's absolutely right. So as you were performing and you were going to those auditions at 8 a.m., there must have been some level of rejection and disappointment because you didn't get every single part. You wound up getting the parts that you got. So how did you deal with that? And how did you know when to keep going or when to be like, Jessica, you just lost three in a row. What are you nuts? Uh, I really tried to show up as much as I could. It, it's a really exhausting process, actually. And you know, you really are your own CEO of everything. If you're going to be an, an actor, like you said, a baker, somebody who, you know, wants to start their own business, you know, my business is Jessica Vosk. And that is being the CEO all the way down to the CFO and the human resources and everything. So I had to show up every day. And I think I had a lot of business sense from having been mm -hmm. in a corporate atmosphere. So I tried to look at it both as the work and the job that I had to put in as the day job in hopes that one out of 50 auditions could bring something. Wow. And it's grueling. The probability that me, this girl who's showing up with 200 other people in hopes to even get seen. And it's one of those things that can feel very embarrassing. Of course. And you question yourself on a daily basis and you question your talent and even that spark that said, I know that I can do this, it's still a very, very uh, daunting thing. And just because I didn't book something didn't mean that I wasn't going to. And that was sort of the ammo that kept me going because I would get a call back here and there. I would get a phone call. I would get, you know, that little bite on the hook that kept me going. 
And again, it could be a very lonely place. It could be a very sad place. So when somebody says, you know, Jessica, wow, you left this job. And then overnight, all of these things happen. It's like, well, let me help you out here because (laughs) um, there were all of these things. And there's a, I, I rely on a quote very much, which is, you know, somebody needs the part of the story that you're ashamed of. That hits me in in a lot of ways. I always think about it this way because whether it's me talking about having panic attacks or stress or mental health awareness or the fact that I would show up and keep getting rejected, these are things that people go through on a daily basis. And I think they should know that no matter how quote unquote successful somebody is, they've also gone through these things. Absolutely. How long did it take until you got that big first job? I want to say it was six months. And how many auditions would you say you went on in six months? Oh, God. Uh, 75. 75 Broadway auditions in six months. Yeah. And it wasn't even a Broadway show that I booked. And it wasn't even from one of those auditions that I booked it. It was from word of mouth from somebody who heard me sing. And they just happened to give me a chance. Oh, my God. What year is this that you got this first job? And what was that job? It must have been 2008 or 2009. Mm -hmm. It was a show by ABBA who wrote Mama Mia. It was called Christina. It was was a new show that they had done incredibly classical music. And it was done at Carnegie Hall. And I got an email from the musical director. And they said, listen, I heard you have a great voice. Are you a soprano? Are you classically trained? Can you read music? And I could do all of those things. And he's one of the most well-known musical directors in the business. And I said, uh, yes, uh, I'm, it's an honor to hear from you. Right. I, I, I literally wrote this from a computer as I was babysitting my friend's kids. And he said, okay, great. Well, you'll get a phone call from so-and-so. And the phone call came. They gave me all the information of what it was going to pay. It was being done at Carnegie Hall. And I said, great. When's the audition? They said, no, this is an offer. Mm. And that stopped me in my tracks. Like, whoa, that can happen. Yeah. And I thought, well, this is the sign from the universe that I've been asking for because this just fell in my lap. And after that, what were the next big sort of milestones and how did you get through the in-betweens? So that happened at Carnegie Hall. Subsequently, they took us over to London to do it at Royal Albert Hall. Came back home on the audition circuit again. That was the point when I got my name out there a little bit enough to get an agent, wound up booking a show, a very small show at a regional theater. But my caveat with that was I need you to give me my equity card Mm. because that's a big deal Mm -hmm. in order to get into the room and get an equity job. So uh, after that happened, I would get a concert, a big concert here and there being thrown a bone still from that same musical director who had enough to believe in me to say, here's the stuff you need to work on, get yourself to an acting class, you're not good enough. So did all those things, you know, while crying, because I thought, oh, my God, I'm never going to make it. And then I got a phone call one day to audition for a very large concert version of West Side Story uh, with the San Francisco Symphony with one of the most well known conductors, uh, Michael Tilson Thomas, who's Leonard Bernstein's protege, and I booked it. And I thought, this is my big break. Don't think those things, people. <laughs> when you, it's it's when you think that you have it. It's when you think like this is it. When the universe tells you, no, this is not it yet. So after that, you come home and you go back to slugging it out, and that was hard for me. Yeah. So that was a, a learning process, and I sort of hit the rock bottom of my life after that gig, and thought, well, I've come this far. Why is nothing happening? Mm-hmm. And when I finally did all the things like soul searching and therapy and taking a couple of months off, I booked a Broadway show, The Bridges of Madison County. What year is this? 2014. So that's that's interesting because there's a lot of time then in between that oh, first yeah. job in 2008. Yeah, And then that's 2014 right. where you had that like big high in San Francisco. But we're talking about years of like here you are that's babysitting right. and mm-hmm. auditioning and like you're like, Jessica, you had a, your own office with a door. What are you doing? You're crazy. And no wonder you were feeling depressed because yeah, you had yeah. these moments where you were like so close and then so far. And exactly. then you took a little break and then you booked this Broadway show. That was, it must have been an incredible feeling to be finally doing that. It was. And I love that you said, you know, 
Jessica, you're crazy because all I wanted was to prove myself. And I wanted to prove myself to everybody else. I wanted to be able to say to my parents, look, I made the right choice. I wanted to be able to say to the world, I made the right choice. And when I didn't, that's the part that I think I was ashamed of. That's the part that I think spiraled me down to where I was before I Mm -hmm. got the opportunity to audition for this Broadway show. And because I had come into it a very different person after sort of being knocked down, which I think needed to happen, I walked in and, and I happened to book it. And that was sort of the beginning of where I am right now, because from 2014 to now in 2019, I have been blessed to not stop working. What were what were some of the other shows between that and Wicked? Oh, let's see. I did um so Bridges in Madison County was my first, and then I went on to do Finding Neverland on Broadway. After Finding Neverland, I did Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway. Mm. And during Fiddler on the Roof is when I got the phone call to audition for Alphaba for the national tour of Wicked. I left Fiddler on a Sunday and I flew out to Houston on the Monday. Hmm. How long have you been doing Alphaba? How many years is that? Let's see. I did it on the road for 13 months, and I've been on Broadway now for almost eight months. Wow. It is a major departure from what my life was 10 years ago. There are days when I'm tired and when I feel like this is a job, but then I realize that I remember what it was like to not be here. And I get so many letters and notes from people saying, you changed my life. Yep. And that that is what success means to me. Yep. And it really is true. You do get to do that. And you should feel really, really good about what you're able to do by bringing that you-ness to the role and that empathy and that whatever it is, that magic that every individual can bring. But I can't imagine, especially that role of Alphaba, like you have to like get painted, right? Then you got to, there's so much physicality to that role. Like I can't imagine how you do that eight shows a week, even four shows. And it is. I, I, can't, I can't even believe you're doing this interview right now. How do you sustain that? You know, full disclosure, I sort of live life like a nun when I'm doing this role, right. which you have to do. I mean, you have to. Alphabet is a beast. She's a beast of a role. I'm hard pressed to find something more difficult, which is a blessing, kind of, when you're done with this role. Everything else kind of feels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like a, like a cakewalk. Um, but there's something really special about playing the, the girl who is the only one who is different. The only one who's a different color, the only one who is being bullied. It has given me much more of, like we said before, a purpose because we live in a time now, which is very different than when I was growing up. I I didn't have, we didn't have social media. We didn't have all of these things plaguing us. And by playing this role, which yes, is very difficult. I try and keep myself in the best shape physically and vocally that I can, because it's a, you know, it's a two hour and 40 minute plus or minus show. Mm. And I'm on stage almost the whole time. Yeah. You're like an Olympian. It is. It's very athletic. Uh, But again, I take a lot of responsibility in leading this show because there's always somebody who needs to hear the message of this show. It doesn't matter how old they are. It doesn't matter how many times they've seen it, what they've been through, any walk of life. I have had people that are just so changed by the story and what they've seen and things that they haven't expected yeah. and getting to lead a Broadway show and wearing these cool costumes and having my name outside on a billboard is is very cool. But the heart of this show, the reason why, I mean, I get to be the 15th anniversary Alphaba, which was a complete uh, feat for me in itself to be asked to do that. That's the reason why this has lasted, I think, so long, because there are people at the stage door who are 60 plus saying to me, wow, you really changed my life tonight because I lost my husband and this is the first time I've ever felt like I could breathe again. Mm. Or somebody just saying, you know, I'm bullied every single day and you make me feel like it's okay to be myself. Yeah. How can you, Um, I mean, how, how can you top that? You can't. I mean, you really can't. I take a lot of pride, the more public my persona has become, especially as far as the internet is concerned, in being as honest and transparent and helpful as I can be, because I know how difficult it must be to feel like it's okay to be who you are. And the fact that I get to tell this story about a woman who is coming into her own and 
has to be okay with who she is. Yeah. It's an honor to be able to do it and one that I don't, you know, take lightly. Yeah. There's so many big messages, but for me, I repeat, I've said it actually on this show many times that, well, if that's love, it comes at way too high a cost. You know, that, oh. that, that is such an incredible, important message for every person to sit down and realize like, do you want to tolerate the way you're being treated? Because if somebody loves you, but it, it's only love, if you can be a certain thing or do a certain thing. And that's not okay, right? So that that's huge for me. But I'm curious for you, what which song of yours is your favorite or what line of yours is your favorite? Oh, right now I'm sort of in between I'm not that girl and mm. no good deed goes unpunished. Because they're, they're, one of them is in the first act when Alphaba is sort of a college girl and trying to figure out who she is and, and realizing that it's okay to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. but it's also okay to be strong and to be honest with yourself. And that's a very scary thing as a person to say, look, I feel all of these things, but I have to be okay with the outcome if it doesn't go my way. Mm -hmm. And that's also like, ooh, as Jessica, I hate that. I want to be able to control everything. I want to be able to say, this is what I want. And this is how I'm going to get it. And yeah. I don't want any obstacles. <laughs> and in the show, in the particular moment of Alphaba realizing that she's, she's not like everybody else. I'm not the girl who's going to be invited to the party. I'm not the girl that's going to be the most popular. Yeah. I'm not the girl that's going to get what I want as easily as everybody else. And to actually be okay with that is something, I mean, the insecurities that I even still have right. in my real life it's very helpful to think about it that way. That's fascinating that you're saying making peace with whatever you actually are. How about not everyone has to like me? How about that? Exactly. Right? Um, but there's exactly. a part of that song that I do feel like I think about listeners of the show when you sing, um, don't dream too far, don't lose sight of who you are, right? And, and she's yeah. so down oh. on herself. But that part of it is like, I feel people sometimes just don't think they're worth a lot. And I, I want every person to know, I really believe that every person's DNA is the most rare thing on the That's planet. Right. And so you're so worth it. Like we wouldn't, you yes. wouldn't be here if we didn't need you. And so um, as we're sort of signing off, what is your advice for people who want to do this particular thing? And I'm sure it would relate. I'm sure this advice is applicable to other things that people pursue. But I think some actors feel like, I don't know if I could hang in there for that many mm. years like you did? Or what if I, I wasn't getting any of those little, you know, reminders here and there? Um, do you feel like you have advice for them? Well, first of all, to anyone who is struggling with having a passion and wanting to do something about it, life is far too short to not do what it is that you love. That's right. I'm a very firm believer in that if you do what you are meant for, if you do what you love, your form of success will follow. It is 100% doable to have gotten where I am right now. It took a lot of hard work. I do think there is a major equation of luck that comes along with it. But I also do believe by the time I booked my first Broadway show, I had gone to several different acting classes, several different teachers on my mm. own. The raw talent that I felt like I had to begin with, needed to be honed. And I was knocked into my place a couple of times because I needed to be. Right. And there is a form of thick skin that this takes. I do believe that it's not for everybody. Nothing is. But if it's your passion, it is 100% worth investigating and going after because I can guarantee you that I would be in a very sad, lonely, depressed place if I had never done mm -hmm. this. And it doesn't make what I'm doing right now easy. What I do is very oh my hard. God, yeah. And it takes a lot of discipline. It's hard mentally and it's hard physically, but I love it. And I would not be where I am without loving it. People will always have something bad to say about what it is that you want to do. And if you believe in yourself enough, you will not listen to any of the white noise 
That's a very scary thing to do, but I am here to tell anybody who is uh, nervous about what their parents are going to think, what somebody's going to say, all the ins and outs of how to actually make life work when you're going after something that you're scared of. You have to close your eyes and leap. I hate to say it, but you do. You will regret it if you don't take a chance. It might not work out, but if you never took the chance to begin with, you will regret it. What about people who are listening right now who are like, I'm already 36 years old. I've been at this corporate job too long. Do you feel like it's too late? No, it is never too late. I had somebody write me who was working in the medical profession and they've left to go pursue opera. They might be in their 40s. And it's a very scary place to be when you're thinking about, well, gosh, I'm already well into my 30s. What am I going to do? Well, I booked my first Broadway show at 30 years old. And now I'm 35 and I get to lead a Broadway company. It's amazing. It doesn't come without tribulations and hard work. And I've had to put my personal life on hold at times in order to really go after what it is that I want professionally. But I believe you can have it all. And I am living proof of not coming from the normal path to do it. Yeah, you're amazing. You're also such just like a loving, generous speaker. And I feel like you have so much to share. And I just want to let our audience know that not only have you been doing so well on Broadway, but you put out a record called Wild and Free a year ago. And when it was released, um, it was on the Billboard charts multiple times. Um, It debuted on iTunes at number 14, which is not a small thing. I know. It's crazy. Tell everybody where they can find you, where they can get your music, how they can support you, how they can just be around you. Yes. Well, uh, I'm on all the social media platforms at Jessica Vosk. My album, Wild and Free, which thanks to my fans, it's basically, they made it happen, is available on iTunes and Spotify. uh, And it's available at Broadway Records. And they also sell it at the Gershwin Theater. I read that you put out that record by doing a Kickstarter campaign, which you fully funded in 72 hours. Yeah. How is that possible? I don't know. What? I will argue with anybody that I have the best fans in the game, but I really, that album was made with the blood, sweat and tears from a lot of people who believed in me. And I took it very seriously. I didn't, I, I honestly did not think, I was hoping that it would be the success that it was when we put it out in August. And I could not have dreamt of the things that have happened with it and where it has gone and the people who have, who are still buying it. It's amazing that you did that. I want to ask you, so many Broadway stars are talented, talented, but they don't have as big of a community as you do. What's one piece of like insight that you feel people could take away if they wanted to build their own tribe and connect with human beings as well as one ounce as well as you have? Um, probably transparency, honesty. I believe in showing as much of the bad as the good. I don't feel like I would be the truthful girl that I always am to a fault if I didn't show people the difficulty that it takes to get here mm-hmm. and what it's like to be exhausted and tired and sick, but also happy and disciplined and responsible. And I think maybe there's something that people can connect with when you feel 100% okay with who you are. I think if you want to connect with real deal human beings and people who are just, you know, living the day-to-day life and trying as hard as they can, it's probably really nice to see somebody who they look up to being honest about their struggles as well. Absolutely. And I feel a a sense of responsibility to let people know that, look, I'm just like everybody else. Well, I don't know if you're just like everyone else because you are spectacular, but I do get what you mean that you you feel things and you get anxious and you get overwhelmed and it's extremely generous to share that and let people in on that. And you're awesome. I loved spending time with you and talking to you and I want everybody to go follow you and... everything that you have to offer, we should all be celebrating because you're such an awesome human being who happens to be really talented. So thanks. Thanks for being here. Thank you. My pleasure. So how amazing was that? Jessica is truly awesome. So make sure you go follow her on Instagram at Jessica Vosk, V-O-S-K, get her album. And if you haven't seen Wicked yet, I highly recommend that you do. Okay. So before we keep going, let's just say a quick thanks to one of our sponsors. 
Why does creative tension often lead to something so magical? Think about it. Some of the greatest partnerships in history are tumultuous and dramatic and hot-headed, but what seems like a great recipe for disaster actually makes sparks fly. Legendary songs are written, world-changing tech companies are built, and pop culture is changed forever. Join hosts Rico Gagliano and Faith Sally, hosts of the new Wondery podcast, One Plus One, as they dig into these famous duos and chart the intense, mysterious alchemy that drives them to greatness. Think Beyonce and Jay-Z, Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera, Google's Sergey Brin and Larry Page, and Lauren Michaels and the first cast of Saturday Night Live. We're talking about people who reach the top of their fields and in some cases change the way we see the world. I have a feeling if you're listening to my show, then you'll be a big fan of this one too. It's really well produced and it's cool to hear the origin stories of how these power partnerships came to be. One Plus One starts with the story of John Lennon and Paul McCartney, and you don't want to miss it. Listen to One Plus One on Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, now let's celebrate some of your wins. So Abby messaged me on Instagram and she said, Kathy, you came to me in the summer of 2017 when I heard you on the Side Hustle Show podcast. I immediately had to find you. I've listened to every episode of yours one after another. You talk to me in such a way that it makes me believe that it is all going to happen. I just got to do my part, put myself out there and trust the universe. I may still be working a full-time job I don't enjoy, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm working on my art every day, selling at craft markets and transitioning into working with children again. I'm working to get back to who I am at my core. You are amazing, and I can't tell you how much I cherish the energy you put into this world. We need it, and I thank you immensely. Forever grateful, Abby. Abby, this means the world to me. Thank you so much for sharing. And I'm so happy that you have this belief in yourself because it is so essential. And I love that you're trusting that you will be led to where you can serve the most because it's true. You guys, you can go check out her gorgeous art on Instagram. She's at Abby Road Art, and that's A-B-B-E-Y Road, R-O-D-E, Art. Okay, the next win, Heather posted this in our Facebook group. She said, I finally launched my Etsy store for my pottery. This group has given me amazing motivation and I just wanted to say thank you to you all and share what I've been working on. A little bit of my story. I ended up with a blind cat a while back and some amazing people helped out with surgery costs. I love doing pottery, so I decided I would create a pottery business built around helping rescue cats. I'm just starting out, but when I get going a bit, I want to start donating parts of the proceeds to help individuals and small rescue organizations. I love all animals, but my blind kitty has amassed a bit of a following on Instagram, and I think that cats are where I can have the biggest impact for now. Thank you all again for being you, and if anyone is struggling, just keep at it. Heather, your pottery is absolutely stunning. I'm so proud of you, and I love the story behind your business, which I think is going to make people resonate and connect with you even more. So everyone, go ahead and give her some love. Her Etsy store is Bat Cat Clayworks. Go check it out. Okay, now we just shared a few wins, but I also wanted to share some of the beautiful posts that we've been seeing because sometimes people are posting not necessarily about a win, but something that is just on their heart. And I love that this community has been so supportive and people have been so vulnerable and honest because I think it's so important to have a safe space to share what's really going on in this world and to know that people are going to be there and make space for you and understand. So let me share this post that Marcy posted in our Facebook group. She said, I just listened to Monday's podcast with Mira. I was running while listening and I literally broke down into tears. My neighbors probably think I'm unstable, LOL. I've been crushing it so far in 2019. I've been using Kathy's podcast literally as fuel to keep me positive and moving forward. Today, I feel like I'm failing. I think what hit me so deeply in Mira's interview was the part where she said, the more you hide from fear, the more power it has over you. Instead of avoiding it, ask it, so what? It was the questions after the so what that made me falter. Do I openly communicate my fears and struggles and past with others? No, I do not. My darkest times were beyond traumatic and it's still very difficult for me to talk about other than in songs I write. I've done a really great job of succeeding in spite of them, but I also know that they still linger and create a very deep sense of being not worthy. Even writing this, I was so tempted to select all and delete this because if I put this out there, it feels more real and like I'm giving it more power. But I know I'm stronger than this. I want to face my demons and grow and expand. So there it is. I hope this isn't weird. If it is, well, I guess I can pat myself on the back for being brave enough to write it here. Any advice or input is welcome. Marcy, I just want to thank you for being so open and for sharing that with us. That definitely takes a tremendous amount of courage to admit that you're not okay. And the truth is that nothing you said is weird. Everybody has their own story and you're not alone. And I think that when we do talk about things, 
sometimes we're able to process them. Sometimes we realize that other people share similar journeys. And I think that it takes the intensity of them and it can just make it a little bit easier to carry because we make room to feel those feelings. As my teacher, Susan Kaiser Greenland, has told me many times, feelings are like visitors. They're going to keep knocking at that door until you let them in. And I think that we're all in recovery from our childhoods in many ways. And I think the best thing that we can do is to take care of that kid once in a while, to open the door and feel those feelings. And sometimes the most productive day is a day where you actually let yourself grieve or let yourself feel what's there. My therapist says there's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score. And there's been all of this research that shows how when you've been through things, it stays with you on a cellular level. And just like when you go to a massage and things sort of get massaged and it gets a little bit looser and you massage things out, I think that sometimes we are like holding our breath and the fears that we don't deal with, they do get stuck and these things stay with us. And I think that sometimes if we can make space to allow those sad feelings, to have a good cry, to talk to a friend, somehow we can tolerate it easier and then perhaps the things that scarred us the most start to be the things that bring light into the world because the more that we sit with it, the more we understand it, the more we make space for it, maybe we then can make that space for other people and that empathy can lead us to doing work in this world that we can then lift other people up because we've been where they are. And so I am proud of you. And I think our community was so impressed and I would encourage all of you to let us know whenever you want. This is a safe space. You can tell us when you're feeling anxious. You can tell us when you're feeling down. I certainly do that on my Instagram. And Jessica, even today in this episode, talked about how she feels like that's one of the main reasons why she has built her following because she doesn't sugarcoat it all the time. She doesn't hide away when she's having a panic attack. She lets the world know that she's a human being. She's a person who feels things and we are all like that. Some of us are just courageous enough to let it in. And by doing so, we can connect not only with ourselves but with so many other people. You know, I say often on the show how everybody wants to be seen and we want other people to see us. But the truth is we really want to see ourselves. And sometimes that means just acknowledging that we might be scared or upset or terrified, or still not over something that happened, and that's all okay. And just by giving yourself that space to see it and to make room for it, you'll notice that it actually makes you feel more calm. So sending you lots of love. You're not weird. You're not alone. And I'm grateful that you felt like you could trust us enough to share that. All right. So if you pre-order the book, two cool things. One, you can use the code book when you go to dreamtopiaworkshop.com and get a $25 ticket to that two-day amazing event. Also, if you pre-order the book, you can get 50% off of the coaching series I'm doing. And you can find more information about that at kathycoaching.com. Both of those links are also in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have a win to share, let me know on Instagram at kathy.heller or post it in our Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group. Also, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you haven't already done so, leave us a rating and a review and take a second right now and share the podcast with a friend. Either it's this episode, maybe you have a friend who's an actress, maybe you have a friend who just would get this because they themselves want to be able to go ahead and leave their corporate job. But whether it's this episode or another one, take a second, think about one or two friends that you could share this podcast with because it might make a difference for them in their lives. And it also makes a difference for us. Every time you guys share the show, it helps us so much. You have no idea. So thank you guys for being here. I know you have so, so, so many things you could be doing with your time and it means the world that you spend it here. You guys are the best. I hope you have an amazing weekend. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you on Monday.
I'm a survivor.